Awesome. Well, morning, Freedom Center. My name uh, is Nathan Holland, and it's such a pleasure to be with you at Freedom Center this morning. Uh, I work with Open Doors Australia, and so I'll be sharing about them this morning. But firstly, I just want to share briefly about uh, myself. So I'm here with my wife, Grace, um, and we, we just got married in, in November. Yeah, give her. She'll, she'll feel awesome about that clap. <laughs> Um, and I just wanted to share with you, like, that's just a perfect intro for me because my life has just been marked by the undeserved grace of God. Um, and so, uh, like, I, I grew up in, uh, in, like, a Christian environment, but the circumstances that faced me, I, I left that thinking, like, God's is just a two-faced hypocrite from just the, the things that I experienced. But thankfully, it was through the 2011 floods in Brisbane that just miraculously I was at this scripture union camp in grade nine. And it was there that I met people that just loved me like nothing else. And it left such an impact on me. And on the last night, as this leader who found out his home was flooded uh, in Brisbane, went up and sang, it is well with my soul. And it was that night that I had an encounter with Jesus. So I remember I walked home and I'm like, wow, I guess, I guess I'm a Christian. Like, you know, I've seen Jesus, but, you know, I, uh, I, I was then just living in habitual sin. I, I wasn't discipled. I, I wasn't reading the word. And, and slowly, like, um, things just started to become known to me. Like, it was a year into living as a Christian that I found out, like, pornography was, p- pornography was wrong. So, like, baby Christian, like, milk. Um, uh, and um, and it, I started to see God move in a powerful way in high school, but that that hypocrisy in my life just I, I, I walked away from the Lord after year 12 because I thought it's better to be a sinner than a hypocrite. But thanks be to God that He was just so faithful to me. And this family just took me in and loved the hell out of me. Like, you know, and uh, they they were a pastor-psychologist combo. So along with the Holy Spirit, I didn't stand a chance. Um, and I remember, I remember like, you know, they were really discipling me. And uh, one day I spoke to this man named Simon. I'm like, what is it with all these people saying they can hear the voice of God? Like, you know, they, they sound like wackos to me, you know? And he said, just listen to me like a wise man man does and he said Nathan when you go home and pray tonight shut up like you know so I shouldn't say I'm sorry Um, but be be quiet sorry be quiet Um, he he just said that to to get through to me and it was amazing that night I went home opened my word and I was quiet for five minutes and started to hear the voice of God and for me that's where everything changed at 19 years old and started to grow in life in the Lord and so God saw God move powerfully in Brisbane Um, and then in 2020 2020 um, while all the lockdowns were happening uh, I was with a crew I'd just finished Bible college and I was with a crew with Youth for Christ uh, sharing the gospel in regional and remote parts of Australia and so like you know in one indigenous community they called me Gundru Adamingara uh, which means trumpet or loud thing um, so you know my mum was like Gundru for the gospel so I was like okay cool um, and uh, just, I just I moved down to Bendigo um, just from a word from the Lord and you may have met Ellie last year uh, well that's my, my wife and Ellie are best friends and so it was through her that I joined Open Doors Australia so that, that's how I'm here this evening but Open Doors uh, started about 65 years ago when brother Andrew who some of you may know started smuggling Bibles under the Iron Curtain and that, that was the start of Open Doors and ever since then we helped strengthen persecuted believers all over the world 
So Open Doors is a bit of a different organization in the kind of charity aid section because we're not actually an advocacy group trying to stop persecution. But our goal is to strengthen the church to shine the light of Jesus in these dark places. And so, and so I am, um, it's, it's amazing. So there's about 360 million Christians today that are undergoing social uh, persecution, physical violence, or a whole variety of ways. There's 360 million of them that are persecuted today. And Open Doors, we, we work with 10 million uh, of them, but you know, a lot of room <laughs> for, for, the, for, the, for the ministry to grow. And, um, and so here at Open Doors Australia, uh, what we do is we what we call are what we call a development base. So we help partner with local projects all over the world, and we partner with churches like Freedom Center uh, to see these Christians shine the light of Jesus in these communities. And and unlike I, I I use this phrase the persecuted church, but I just wanted to start off by saying that I actually feel like that language um, that language doesn't serve us very well because. The reality is, is there's just, we're, we're united to Christ. There's one church. There's one church and part of our body is being persecuted. So there's not the persecuted church and then Freedom Center Church. There is the church and our body is being persecuted. And when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And so it's a two-way street. So we really believe at Open Doors that, yes, we, are, we can play a part in, in supporting them, but they also have a part to play in our lives. They, I found when I share the stories of the persecuted church, or when I hear the stories of the persecuted church, they lead me into, it was awesome, the, the vision statement, being with Jesus, like becoming like Jesus and, and living, representing him, living him. To the, I think I, I added a few words, but the same essence. Um, and so I, that's what I want to share on today is, is being with Jesus, becoming like him and sharing him with the world. It's the stories of the persecuted church that so often lead me there. But um, I've kind of set up this morning, so I know that I need to pray <laughs> before I go any further. So let's all, let's all uh, go before the throne of grace together. Um, and say, God, I just thank you. As Neil said before, there are two or more in this building, and so you are here. And so right now, I just honor you, Holy Spirit. I honor you and I thank you. God, I, as Paul did, God, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in this place. Jesus, as, uh, as what was said before in the communion, we thank you that you died and rose again. And God, I pray that this morning we would walk in the fullness of what your blood paid for, God. We'd walk in the fullness of what your blood paid for, God. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray the aroma of Christ that is here would be made so known to us, God that the reality of you inside of us would just be revealed to us again, Lord. Lord, for those who have heard and seen and have tasted and seen many times, God, I pray that this morning would be a refreshing of first love again, Lord Jesus, first love of you. And so, God, I just thank you for who you are and what you've done. And we just dedicate this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, um. I, I had a great catch up with Neil uh, in Macca's like a, a few months ago, uh, which is awesome. And so I, first of all, I, I should have said this before, but yeah, thank you so much, Neil and Grace, for hosting uh, Grace and I. So a lot of Grace in the room, I've, I've heard. Um, um, and, um, and, and as we were talking, it was amazing to hear how Neil was talking about spiritual disciplines, like, you know, through the church, right? Is that, 
Yeah? Yeah, cool. Awesome. <laughs> and um, and, and I, I loved this because I just find these disciplines, being a disciple, just really resists the distractions of the world. And, and for me, like, uh, I, I, I don't know, well, I probably know, it's the real estate market in here has been pretty brutal, hasn't it, like, pretty recently? Because in, in Bendigo, Grace and I were trying to find a home, uh, you know, just after we got married. We went to our first inspection, and it was not a great house. Uh, and we arrived, and we were halfway down the line, and there's so many more people joined, and there were about 50 groups inspecting this property in Bendigo, like, you know, I expect that in Sydney, not Bendigo, like, and, uh, and so we're there, like, in the line, and we're slowly waiting as the real estate agent lets different groups through, and, and everyone, everyone in that line is kind of having a, trying to make a joke, or have a standout moment with the real estate agent, like, get the real estate agent to try and remember them for the application. And so even when, when we were there, I tried to like, you know, share some very niche connection and she didn't know them and just fell flat. And Grace was like, nice try. And we, we didn't hear back from them at all from our application. So, um, but I, I find today that being in the world, there's so many people lined up for our attention. There's so many things lined up. There's, there's video games, movies, there's news. that It's almost like every day there's something to incite outrage in our lives. With all these things, like they're almost lining up for a slice of our mental real estate, a slice of our inner life. And, and I just believe that the stories of the persecuted church, the effect it has on my life is it just clears away those distractions. And it just reminds me to invite the one in who's worthy Jesus, to clear away the distractions and come back to the simple essence of my faith, which is knowing Jesus. And so, um, as I share the stories of the persecuted church, um, I, I, uh, the first persecuted Christian I, I want to share from is uh, someone who you all know, the Apostle Paul, you know? <laughs> and uh, as, he, as he wrote the book of Philippians, like we know that he was in chains for Christ. Paul was a persecuted believer. And in here, like, I just find the, the articulation of what the stories of the persecuted church do in my life. So if you have your Bibles, um, I'm going to be reading from Philippians 3, verse 7 to 11. And there's going to be no slushies, um, 7 to 11. Anyway. Someone got that, I hope. Um, so verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. be able to go through uh, like all of it but the the three things at the end that when I hear the stories of the persecuted church I'm led to know Jesus to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship with his sufferings 
And so I, I want us to, to walk through those things and say, um, you know, we, we need to know Christ. And so like whether you've been a follower of Jesus like your whole life here or, or you're new here investigating a Jesus, like this is the essence of the Christian faith, to know Christ. Like just, just a little earlier, Paul reference uh, in, in just, just above this scripture that he was almost like the culture's perfect man. He had the perfect racial status, perfect religious like, you know, goals. He was hitting them, you know, but he counts those in his culture's day, those good things, he counted them as lost for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Like he says, indeed, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Now, I first want to point out that Paul knew, Paul knew hands down, that to gain the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, he had to lose all things. He then said he suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish. And the reality is, is if you want to know Jesus, it means you have to lose everything else. Everything else. And truly, like all the things, even the good things in our lives, like, um, you know, even, even the, the good things of like career and family, and I dare say in Melbourne, footy, um, you know, even those good things, we actually have to count them loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And when you know Christ, you then, you know, you find how to love your family through him. You find your career through him. You find your joy and your expression through him, but it all has to come through him first. And so as I mentioned at the start, like truly, like Christ is the only one that we should be inviting into our, into our house, into this temple. He's the only one worthy. And, and Paul said to be found in him, not having a righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God by faith. And so I, I won't spend too long on that, but really, like if you're here this morning and you feel like I, I've... I've you know, broken all the commands of God. I'm the worst sinner. This is good news for you because it means you receive rightness with God by faith. You know, and so it's fully accessible to everyone here. You know, but then it says that I may know him. That I may know him. All these things so that I may know him. I count all things lost. I receive righteousness by faith that I may know him. And I want to share with you the story of a man who truly lost all things and discovered knowing Jesus. Wang Ming Dao was one of the most influential Christians in the Chinese church. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for sharing the gospel. And now in his time in prison, he was subjected to torture and beatings as the other prisoners would, would beat him to gain favor with the other guards. And his situation became so, so horrible, so dire, that when a, a piece of paper was put before him, say, saying that he couldn't preach the gospel and he had to follow the commands of the government, he just, under so much pressure, signed it. And he walked out of prison and then he felt this immense guilt that he had betrayed his first love. He betrayed Jesus. So he turned around walked back, told them to tear up the confession, and they arrested him. And I don't know if I'd have the courage to walk back to a place where people were ready to torture me, 
just because I could no longer publicly evangelize. But Wang Mindao was sentenced to a further 22 years in jail, many of which were spent in solitary confinement. And when, when we talked to him after he came out, he said, when I was put in jail, he was devastated. Like, I was, I was an evangelist. But whilst he was in solitary confinement, he soon discovered that the toilets in each cell were connected by pipes. And so he, in faith, preached the gospel down the toilet. And years later, we discovered over 96 people said that they gave their lives to Jesus because they heard the gospel being spoken to them from their toilet in their cell. Amazing. Amazing. And when we, when we asked him about his time in prison, he said, I had no Bible, no pulpit, you know, no audience, no pen or paper. I could do nothing, nothing except get to know God. And for 20 years, that was the greatest relationship I've ever known. And when, when our CEO asked him, you know, what, what would you share with the Church of Australia? He said this, he said, you need to build a cell where it's only you and Jesus. You need to build a cell where there's nothing else. All things else are counted as loss. That you can get to know Jesus. Like truly Wang Mindao like lived what Paul said, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So we too, we need to lose all things. Just as Wang Mindao said, build a cell where it's only us and Jesus. So we, we need to know him, church. Like, we need to know him. Secondly, we need to know the power of his resurrection. Now, Jesus was many amazing things as discovered in the scripture, you know, like he's the son of God, the most high. But one that I, I love is when it describes Jesus as the, fir as, um, the first of the resurrection. He was, the, he, he was resurrected from the dead. That's the core of the Christian faith, that Jesus died and rose again. But he was the first of the resurrection that many would follow. <laughs> and now when, when I, as I shared before, when I started to learn about how to commune, commune with God, like he would just be saying things to me that just like, you know, I was 19 years old. I had pornography in my life since I was seven, you know. So I couldn't remember life before, before that. And so I just felt like such a shameful, like I felt so, so condemned. I felt dirty all the time. And I remember God speaking to me saying like, you're holy. My blood has cleansed you. You're clean. My blood does a good job. And I remember he would say funny things to me like, you know, you trust Ajax to kill 99.9% .9 of germs. Trust my blood to cleanse 100% of your sins. Trust my blood. And... And you know, and you know, I say it, but I fought him. Like I fought the Lord for a few months. And the moment that I just stepped in faith was when I, I actually, I had a vision. And I, you know, I came from conservative background. I had no grid for what visions were. But, but really like what happened was I was crucified. And as I was doing it, there were two people at the same place at the same time. It was me and Jesus as one. No, I remember hanging on the cross. I'm like, I don't have a high pain threshold. Like, you know, a private school Brisbane kid. Like, and I'm screaming in this dream. Like, and, and I remember as Christ died, so did I. And I raised with him into heaven before the Father, still one with Jesus. 
And I'm so grateful that the Lord showed this to me because honestly, it's all through Scripture. Like Paul says in Galatians 2.20, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life I now live, I live in the Son of God who died for me and gave himself for me. And so for me, I was really discovering the, the, the essence of, of my faith that, well, I have received resurrection life. That as it says in Romans, like the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, like the same spirit that raised Christ dwells in your mortal body, this mortal body. You know, and, and so I was discovering that, wow, I can actually live free from this sin, free from this addiction, free from this shame and condemnation because I've received the resurrection power of Christ. And I, I want to share with you a, a story um, from the persecuted church that I also just believe shows us the power of the resurrection. And so I'm just going to ask to play the video of Helen, if, if that's all right. It's... Um, such such a powerful story you know in, in Eritrea it's moved up to one of the fourth most dangerous place it is to be a Christian and Helen as she the songs in that in that video were the songs she recorded them for us the songs she sang on the church about Jesus that got her arrested which when she was in a shipping container for 32 months and I, I, find, I find what she said so incredible because, you know, we think of Jesus' life who was subjected to torture, persecution, beatings, but he remained faithful to the calling of the Father on his life. And I just see Helen walking in the same way. You know, when she was in prison, tortured with a tool meant to kill, where they would try to get her to deny her faith. Like her situation, her circumstance was like death. But she had the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrected Jesus in her. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwelt within her, you know? <laughs> and so I, I just want to encourage us that whatever like death we are facing, like whether that may be habitual sin, shame, condemnation, uh, sickness or persecution in our own lives, like we have the power of the resurrection of Jesus inside of us. We have the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead living within us. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, that death has been swallowed up in victory through the resurrection of Jesus. So, so Chet, I just, just wanted to share through the stories of the persecuted church that they teach me to know Jesus, to know the power of the resurrection, but also to have fellowship with his sufferings. Now, I'll, I'll, let, I'll be the first one to admit that, you know, I love the first two, you know? <laughs> I want to know Jesus and walk in the power of his resurrection. And it's only been recently that the Lord's been taking me on a journey of discovering what does it mean to have fellowship with his sufferings. You know, we saw with Wang Min Dao that he would not deny Jesus even when he suffered. The same with Helen. And as I was praying this week, I was reminded of a verse, scripture that Jesus, Jesus as he's doing his like one-on-one -on -one with his disciples, uh, John 14 to 17, you know, it's just like, let me get them everything they need before I go. I love that part of scripture. Um, and, and, you know, John 15 is one of my favorite books of the Bible, you know, abiding in Jesus as he's the vine, I'm the branch and, and I'm loved by the father. But in verse 18, verse to 21, Jesus says this. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. 
If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, for this reason the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so, like, for a lot of my life, like, this was a removed concept, you know? Like, the world hating, like, you know, us as it hated Jesus. But just this past week, this past week, we've received word from our partners in Manipur, India. They're experiencing such new, unprecedented levels of violence. And, and two weeks ago, the government passed a law that Christians' homes could be seized. In the past two weeks in Manipur of India, uh, we've seen 200 churches burned down, 300 homes just destroyed, and 30,000 Christians have fled to different states. Uh, and so I, I, we opened doors, you know, this past week we were really just, just trying to get behind our partners there. And so I'm just going to play a quick video from Manipur, uh, which just showed even just some of the footage uh, on the ground. So I know, I know it's super brief. Um, but we just quickly made that Friday afternoon and sent it to churches so that they could be praying for what's happening right now. Like that looks like a war zone, doesn't it? But it's right now in Manipur. And, and I, I'm just comforted the fact that the hatred that they are experiencing is because the world hated Jesus first. The persecution they are experiencing is because the world persecuted Jesus first. But... We don't have to be down about this because even just, just later in John 16, uh, Jesus says in verse 33, summarizing this part, he says, I've said these things to you so that in me you would have peace. In this world you will have affliction, but have courage. I have conquered the world. I've conquered the world. So we can, we can walk boldly knowing that we can have fellowship with his sufferings. But Christ has overcome. And so, church, I, I just wanted to, to just share these stories in the persecuted church because the effect that has in my life is it reminds me to lose all things and know Christ, to build my, a cell, a cell where I get to, to know Jesus and to walk in the power of the, re, of the resurrection. Whenever I see death around me in situations or circumstances or persecution, to know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within each and every one of us. And to walk in the fellowship of His sufferings, standing in the confidence that if the world hates, if we serve Jesus, we're not greater than Him. If, if the world hated Him, it will hate us. But we can take courage, we can take heart. He has overcome. He has overcome. And so uh, I just want to briefly share, like Open Doors, we are committed to serving believers like, like Wang Mindao, um, Helen, and uh, what's currently happening in Manipur. And so Open Doors, we, we do this through a variety of ways, through Bible smuggling, like community development, discipleship training, and emergency relief. And here in Australia, we, we partner with three specific projects for Open Doors International. And so it's the where most needed, hope for the Middle East and Bible smuggling. 
And it is my understanding that the church will be voting, hey, which project the church uh, wants, to, wants to partner with. And so um, I just wanted to, to share like each project so you have a good idea of, of, of the three. So the first one is where most needed. So this one uh, allows us to respond like to the situations happening in Manipur right now. That Open Doors has a global network and it is through these, this network that we are able to partner with Christians as soon as they are rejected by their families. As soon as they come under physical violence or imprisonment and those who are even facing death. The where most needed, it just helps us to respond to this need. Now, the hope for the Middle East one is, is one of my favorites. Uh, six years ago, when Christians were returning to their homes uh, in the Middle East, uh, Open Doors came alongside them to rebuild their churches. And as we rebuilt their churches, there was an opportunity that was seen to rebuild them as community centers so that they could have a food bank, like medical relief, uh, trauma care in these regions of the Middle East and discipleship training. And they've just exploded. There's now 287 centers of hope all throughout the Middle East, and it's all by empowering the local church. And we even saw that it was the church, these centers of hope, that were leading relief in the recent earthquake uh, that happened a few months ago. So the second project we have, we're most needed in centers of hope. And the last one is Bible smuggling. So Open Doors started with Bible smuggling and we still believe that the best way to strengthen the persecuted church is through the Word of God. And so um, I'd just like to share just one last video um, of a pastor, um, Pastor Robert from Malaysia, sharing his experience of receiving this Bible. So we'll just quickly show that. One of my um, favorite ways to describe this work of Open Doors is where the world's most extreme delivery service, you know? We, we not just get the Bibles, but we smuggle them into over 52 countries where the Bible today is currently banned. And the Word of God is alive and active and then the hands of the persecuted believer reveals the truth. You know, it reveals the truth of who God is. It reveals truths like that they can know God, the power of His resurrection and have fellowship with His sufferings. So we believe that one of the best ways to strengthen the persecuted church is through Bibles. And even just recently, I got word of a successful Bible smuggle in Pakistan where thousands of these solar-powered audio uh, Bibles were the brick, the brick miners in Pakistan were then able to listen to it on their lunch breaks in their own language. And they can't read, they're illiterate, and Open Doors has just been at the forefront of, of giving them access to the Scriptures. And so um, I just want to give you the opportunity to be well informed when you decide so that the church can partner to the where most needed, the hope for the Middle East, or getting the Word of God in the hands of the believers through Bible smuggling. So I think that will happen, happen later, will it? Or Yeah, awesome. And so um, I just want to finish today. I just actually want to invite um, those who want to respond to respond. Because as, as I shared through the stories of the persecuted church, I know that they, they lead us to know Jesus. And this morning, like you, you, you may be here like, and you don't know Jesus. You never really talked to Him before, don't really know Him. Maybe you just know of Him. You know, oh, this Jesus, this figure, and then I, oh, he's a, he's a good teacher. But no, we actually need to know him personally. 
And so I wanna invite you like if this morning, if this is for you to step in, take the first step to actually having a real relationship with Jesus. Now, the first step, step to this is, you know, ask Him to forgive you of, of your sin and, you know, and declare that He is gonna be my Lord and my Saviour. And so if you wanna do that, as worship starts, come down the front and there'll be people here to pray, pray with you and you can start a relationship with Jesus today. And then secondly, um, you know, I, there's been so many times I've been distracted. I've compromised in my mind and in my life the power of the resurrection. And so I just wanna invite anyone, if you're battling with sin or sickness or any, anything that's just breathing death into your life, come down the front, let's pray. Let's pray that the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead who dwells within us, that we would know the power of the resurrection life in, in our mortal bodies, in the world today. And so if that's you, feel free to come on down and we'll be praying for you. And um, I also just, just, wanna, just wanna say that um, maybe some of you, when I was talking about the fellowship of His sufferings, really challenged our understanding. I know when I first came to Jesus, I thought it was about me. You know, Jesus saved me from my sin so I can live a comfortable Western life. You know, that was my gospel for a while. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, um, maybe, this morning has just challenged that, to actually leave friendship with the world, knowing what it may cost you, to actually walk in friendship with God, knowing what that means, knowing that you could suffer in the world, knowing that the world might hate you, but all things, you know, that we counted as lost, that we may gain Christ the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. And so I wanna invite you that if, you, if you've lived a life or if you've believed what I believed for so many years that it was about me, come down and give it all to Jesus, even if it costs you everything. And so I just wanna thank you Freedom Center for partnering with Open Doors. And I pray that we see the body of Christ overseas where there's persecution and, and today in Freedom Center strengthened by the Spirit of God uh, to, to be like Jesus or to be with Jesus, to be like Him and to demonstrate Him, to show His light to our world. Thank you.